So imagine many of us are aware of where the Allies in World War II launched their decisive offensive battle to win World War II. We knew that it was in France, on the beaches of Normandy. But when I asked myself, where did the war actually begin? I actually didn't know. And so doing some research, aka Google, I found that after World War I, many governments, especially Britain, wanted to avoid the horrors of war. And so they established what was known as a policy of appeasement. And so during 1938, they signed the Munich Agreement with Adolf Hitler. And in that agreement, what they did was they ceded some land in Czechoslovakia in order that Hitler might resolve any future conflicts in peace. They were trying to get a compromise. But unfortunately, the year later, 1939 in March, Hitler dismantled the Czech government. And then a few months later, on September 1939, Hitler attacked Poland. And when he attacked Poland, that initiated the war. And a war which we know caused millions upon millions of deaths. And in some ways, when you reflect on that moment, we can think about it as being one of the most darkest moments in the history of the 20th century, right there in Poland. But imagine, in, for the Allies, instead of attacking the beaches of Normandy, imagine if they launched an offensive in Poland. I think maybe strategically, maybe isn't the greatest idea, but I think about it symbolically, because in the darkest moment in the history of the 20th century, if the Allies conquered at that point, in some ways, the brightest light shone, even in that dark moment. See, there's this image of light and darkness in our gospel today. We hear about Zebulun and Naphtali. Zebulun and Naphtali are two of the 12 tribes of Israel. When the Israelites went into Israel, each of the different tribes took different parts of the land of Israel. And so Zebulun and Naphtali, they took the northern part of Israel. And in Jesus' time, it's also known as Galilee. But what's so significant about these lands is this, is that Isaiah prophesizes that these people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. So what darkness is, is he referring to? Isaiah is referring to the darkness in Israel when Assyria attacked Israel. And the attack began exactly at that point in Zebulun and Naphtali. And so what happened in that moment was that Assyria attacked Israel and exiled 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel, leaving only Judah and Benjamin left. And it devastated the country in some ways. Think about it. If, imagine if someone came into Canada and then attacked Canada and then exiled 10 of the provinces elsewhere throughout North America. It would ruin the country. And so what happened essentially in Israel at that moment in the 8th century BC, in 722 BC, was that it essentially destroyed the kingdom of Israel. And in some ways for an Israelite, they could think of it as one of the darkest moments in the history of Israel. And so the amazing thing is that Jesus, when he begins his ministry, Jesus who is the light of the world, where does he go to first? He goes to Zebulun and Naphtali, this place which was the darkest moment in the history of Israel, and he's coming 
to bring light. He's coming to restore the kingdom. And that's why in the gospel we hear Jesus saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what Jesus is doing is very symbolic. And my brothers and sisters, I believe today that God wants to do that for each and every one of us. That in the darkest moments of our light, of our life, He wants to bring light. That's why we hear in our readings, a people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. My brothers and sisters, I bring this up because a great darkness has come over our country, Canada. In a few months, there will be a new euthanasia law that's coming to effect in March 17th. Previously, euthanasia was reserved just for those who were foreseeably seeing their death, where death was nearby in some ways. But now this new law with euthanasia has extended it to include those with just mental illnesses. So what that means is those who are experiencing depression can request for euthanasia. This time when people are struggling, the government is offering to take their lives away. And so eventually, in the, the people who are in the darkest moment of their lives in Canada, the government says, we can extinguish the light of their life. And for me, I bring this up because it's very personal. A few months ago, I, I had an opportunity to walk with a person who considered euthanasia. In fact, they already had a date set. And this person was taking care of other people, but then those people had passed away, and so this person had begun to lose meaning in their life. They had no significant relationships to hold on to, and additionally, they were suffering from very painful disease. And as I was speaking to this person, I can appreciate and understand the pain that they were going through. But they knew, interestingly enough, that this, this person knew that suicide was wrong, but they felt that euthanasia was okay even though it effectively it was doing the same thing. And that's so disastrous in some ways because the law has the ability to teach people. And if the law is allowing immoral things, it's teaching people that it's okay. And so I tried everything. I tried every video, every story, every spiritual principle that I could come up with to try to convince this person in some ways, I thought they were okay after we had left. But after a few weeks of trying to follow up with them, I had no response. And in searching up their name, I found instead their obituary. And it broke my heart. Euthanasia is a grave violation of the dignity of the human person. It claims that it is compassionate. But really, at the heart of what euthanasia is saying is this. He's saying that life is not worth living if you're suffering. Your life is not valuable if you're suffering, which, of course, is a lie. And you see what happens, it begins to extend to other aspects of our society. You probably heard in the news last year about these veterans seeking help. This one veteran was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, and he was seeking help, and then they offered him euthanasia. Another veteran was disabled because of the war, and all he was asking for was a ramp to go into his home. But then the government offered them euthanasia as well. 
in saying that same thing. If you're suffering, if it's difficult, well, just end it. It's not worth it anyways. And of course, as Catholics, we don't just let people suffer. We have what's known as great palliative care. And so we can alleviate the sufferings of people through palliative care. At the same time too, as Catholics, we are not required to indefinitely sustain someone's life. If someone is suffering, if someone who is dying, we can allow them to have a natural death, but at the same time, maintaining ordinary care of food and water. But the reason why I'm speaking today is to bring clarity to this issue, to remind each and every one of us and those that you love that you are infinitely loved by the Almighty and Eternal God. Your dignity and your life is worth the blood of Christ. And we are called not to confuse the darkness with the light. So that's why the Catechism and the bishops of the Church teach very clearly in paragraph 2277. This is what the Church says in reference to euthanasia. Thus, an act of or omission which of itself or by intention causes death in order to eliminate suffering constitutes a murder gravely contrary to the dignity of the human person and to the respect due to the living God. And so what God is inviting us today, He's inviting us to believe that even in the darkest moments of our life, we do not have to turn to euthanasia, but we can turn to the light. Even in our darkest moments, God can shine His brightest light. There's a young man whose name is Jonathan Petrie, and he has what's known as epidermolysis bullosa, also known as EB. And what happens is he has skin that is as fragile as butterfly wings. Any friction on the outside or the inside of the skin can cause blisters, which are equivalent to third-degree burns. That's why they are called the butterfly children. And so what happens then is every two days, he has to go through a three-hour grueling process of taking off his dressings and putting the bandages back on. And you can imagine the pain he would experience on his skin. His mother Tina says that his, her son has begged her many times to stop. And throughout the course of his life, he's not able to play sports. He's not able to live a normal, quote-unquote, normal life. In some ways, this euthanasia that we experience in Canada is saying, well, your life is not worth living. Your life is not valuable. So just end it. But we believe that in the darkest moments of our lives, that God can shine a light. And so this critical moment happened in the life of Jonathan in 2012. He went to an EB conference. And he says that, for the I've never met anyone with my condition. I never had an explanation. And I knew I was not alone anymore. He discovered there's other people who had EB as well. And then this inspiration sparked in his heart. He says, I knew since then that I want to be an ambassador. I want to help other people. And so he found a deep meaning in his suffering. And so what he began to do was he got photos taken of his life, 
video as well too. In fact, you can find this documentary about his life on, on YouTube. And he revealed his wounds to the world, not necessarily seeking compassion, but pointing out to the sufferings that many people do experience. And because of that, what happened was one of the, because he's from Ottawa, one of the Ottawa senators, they invited him to come out. And they invited him to be a scout for the Ottawa senators because he loves hockey so much. And so there he's there at the game. He's speaking to people, speaking to his favorite players. He was also invited to the Raptors game. And in the course of his life, through his awareness that he was bringing about, he was able to raise $100,000 for awareness in EB. Many people ask him, they see him, Jonathan, how are you able to do this? And then Jonathan says, my strength comes from the people around me because they believe I can do it. And so my brothers and sisters, in the darkest moments of our life, God desires to shine the brightest light. He did that for Israel. He did that for Jonathan. And he can do that for you. And his light wants to illuminate a path of deep meaning and purpose, even in the midst of your most gravest sufferings. And he wants to remind you that you are valued, that you are loved, and that you are precious in his sight. But in order to receive this light, we must give him permission. And so I invite you today as you come forward to receive the Eucharist, that you may allow the light of Christ to enter into the darkness of your heart, that you may say to Jesus, as we say in our responsorial psalm, the Lord, you are my light and my salvation. And in doing so, you, you will allow the power of the light to fight against the darkness and also to conquer it. As we know in the Gospel of John, he writes, For the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it.